Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. And I'm Andy Wood. And I'm Jesse Case. And thank you to everyone who uh, came and saw the show in Seattle. I met some, saw some Probably Science listeners and, and met a couple and waved a couple from the stage. So thank, thanks a lot for coming by. That was a lot of fun. I'm in, now in Vegas where, oh, I've just eaten an extraordinary amount of Italian food with our guest who is also on the show with me at the Rio at the Comedy Cellar, Erica Spera. Hey, Erica. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um, Erica's Thanks cousin. For joining. <laughs> Erica's cousin is a restaurateur. <laughs> oh, is that that was the end? Yeah, that's tell- why. So okay. Andy, yeah, Andy and Jesse kept getting texts from me, going like, like postponing the recording of this, going like, uh, yeah, it's going to be another fifteen. Uh, it's going to be another fifteen. Well, well, Erica, do you want to? Do you want to explain? Uh, Erica comes from a large Italian New Jersey family. Okay. Yeah, so uh, have you guys ever heard of the show um, Cake Boss? Cake Boss, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so those are my cousins. No way. Yeah, they're my mom's first cousins. I think that makes them my first cousin once removed or something. But Italian families, cousins a cousin is what it is. Right, right, right. And I went on like a nice walk the other day down the strip. I've never been to Vegas, and I popped in. I took pictures, and I was like, "Oh, hey!" And I tagged my cousins in it, just like, "Oh, stopping by." And my cousin was like, "If you want to go to dinner, like, just tell me if you're going." I'm like, "Okay." And so I told them, and I thought, like, "Oh, we'll probably get some free dessert, you know, something," which is nice and very generous. And uh, they just kept bringing out food. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just <laughs> that we didn't order. <laughs> We're like, "Okay." <laughs> Yeah, wow. it was ridiculous. Like first, like f- before we even get any food, they're cracking open a bottle of prosecco, and then yes. out, it's just like it was like it was like an assault of food. Yeah. <laughs> now are these are these the cake bosses or these different cousins? So like cake boss is Buddy Velastro, so that is um, our cousin, and okay. then he opened a restaurant called Buddy V's in Vegas. It was like the first restaurant they ever opened. So right across from it is the bakery, and then they have a restaurant. Uh, okay. So we Got ate it. And the it's in the Venetian. And yeah. by the way, like as well as it being a source of food, I should say it was ridiculously good. All of it was good. Shout out to Buddy V's. This is free advertising. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I say free. We they just paid us in a lot of food, but <laughs> wow, it, everything was everything was crazy good. And uh, as a result of which, I, I'm recording a podcast right now, but both Erica and I should instead just be lying flat on the bed just trying to breathe. Yeah, I mean, you guys are going to probably, like, snooze pretty soon. And then <laughs> yeah. Andy and I will have to uh, cover all this. Um, well, that's I'm very jealous. Cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't have any, like, restaurant hookups anymore. I uh, The biggest one I had was I would hang out in L.A. I would hang out at that place Bright Spot so much. In, oh, yeah. uh, in Silver Lake. I would hang out there so much, eventually they would just give me free food. <laughs> so I would go there. I was like such a regular. I'd always go after spots where it would be like three in the morning. And there's this one guy who would always give me a sandwich. But <laughs> that's about <laughs> it. That's all I have is kind of a pathetic version. Was it? It was Echo Park, isn't it? It's opposite, isn't it like kind of opposite takes? Take? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sense. used to be 24-7. And there was this guy that worked there that looked like Lou Reed. And... <laughs> Sometimes we would play chess, and then he'd give me a sandwich. So it's, like, not as impressive as knowing the cake boss guy. Um, that's all I feel I like that's harder to be, like, a regular somewhere and then be getting the perks. I feel like that takes some true time and dedication, you know? It, yeah, Erica yeah, just it, got it by, by, by blood relation. That's, like... 
It can also you make you realize like problems though. Like if you are such a regular at like bars, like they let you stay after they close. Yeah. <laughs> That's happened to me at like five bars where mm. I wind up leaving at 5 a.m. and like, and then I'm they like, trust you to pour your own drinks and then just give them. No, money they kind of, like, they kind of yeah. do, and then that's when you're like, okay, I need to wrap this up, probably, you know. <laughs> but I feel it's, like that would that would be cool if that happened at like a bakery. It's you know? funny because I've like they have several locations like across the country, and I literally bought goodies from there like Tuesday night and just brought them to the you know show to give to the comics. Because also I'm like, I want to support like my family's business, you know? Sure. But it's so funny that like anytime they hear of us like buying four cannolis, they're like, what are you doing? Why didn't you call me? What are, what are, you, what are, you, what are you paying for pastries? I'm like, I can buy four cannolis. Like, you know, yeah. like, like, or if anything, I'm like to my town and you insult me by paying for cannolis. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but I've tried before. Like I've gone into locations and randomly members of the family will like fly out and work at certain locations. And I've walked in and all of a sudden they're like, Erica, what are you doing here? And I'm like, Jesus, I can't even, like, <laughs> I can't even just be a regular customer if I wanted to. But wow. I, I think that's nice, right? It's like I'm a, kind of like a spy, though. You know, I could be like, "Hey, you know, customer service, something fishy was going on, or whatever." You know, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind undercover of cover cake boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the undercover cake boss. Over here. <laughs> I'm really into. It's not. This probably isn't related to like your cousins, but I'm really into shows like that. Uh, where I've gotten really into one with uh, there's this these two guys because like cake boss started the whole thing. Probably there's a bunch of like couple of guys doing custom stuff shows yeah so there was that big guy duff from asa cakes was like the first cake show that would do like crazy cool cakes okay and then now there's a show now it's like buddy versus duff that they do on tlc <laughs> i think and they do this big competition between the two of them yeah but it's like you know there's always been these like cake competitions like that's how buddy i think got his start was like the food network would have like christmas cake da 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 and what's funny is he was a wedding cake guy so, like, mm. he would make these elaborate wedding cakes, but then he's like, oh, I come out and someone built, like, Santa's sleigh. And I was like, here's my Christmas-themed wedding cake. <laughs> like, sure, uh, he, sure. He, he didn't even realize, like, how fierce the competition is. But, yeah, there's there's so many cake shows. Like, I think he might have been a guest on, what's the one, the new one on Netflix? Is it, like, Is This Cake? Oh, right, right, Stuff that right, looks right. so real. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's crazy. I'm like, oh, my God. Are those are I mean I can't imagine that stuff's very uh very good right just like fondant yeah. sculpting It's not about the eating I'm sure Right it's like <laughs> yeah. well that looks amazing yeah. Oh yeah I used to work in the bakeries in the summer and everyone would want to buy like the full little cakes just to try the fondant but you know it would be like the most expensive cake and it's funny that I was like oh I peel the fondant off wedding cakes like, right. I don't eat it at all. It really doesn't have much flavor to it. Like, if anything, it actually, like, just seals the cake and keeps, you know, the cake delicious on the inside. Sure, right. sure. But, like, yeah, it's always, it's just the amazing thing. No one knew what it was. But a lot of times I'd be like, just get the pound cake. It's delicious. Like, it's plain pound cake. I, I've gotten very into this show that's, uh, it's like an aquarium competition, like custom aquariums. Oh. And, uh, I just think that, I think you lucked out with that. Cause I don't imagine, like, I feel like if I was related to that guy, I couldn't no, just like town to town be like, I'm going to go buy a fish, maybe. <laughs> maybe you get to like, feed the fish at the aquariums. Right. Town. Yeah. And I'd, I'd kind of feel like a local celeb because I know the aquarium guy. Yeah. Like it's way cooler to have like a bakery connection. 
Huh. Yeah, you'd be like showing up to the green room with a box of fish. <laughs> like, yeah. Just like a couple of plastic bags full of them like they used to sell at the fairgrounds. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting yelled at by my family for paying for a beta. <laughs> I'm like, I, oh, like on, how man. dare you? Wow. So was the cake boss himself there today? Did you see? No. no. Was, oh, okay. No, but there was a cardboard cutout that... Well, that today we I, I assume it was of. like a cake shift manager. Someone was there. Yeah. Well, yeah, that is the cape lieutenant. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But well, there, uh, we took a, yeah, we took a photo. There has a big cardboard cutout of him. So we took a photo of all of us in front, and then also JJ Whitehead, who's with us because Jim Jeffries is doing the Mirage this weekend. Okay. So JJ and JJ's uncle. We found out during the course of the meal. JJ's uncle is a massive Cake Boss fan. Like freaked out when he was in Vegas, and there, another one of his locations was there. So we took a photo in front of the Cake Boss cutout. <laughs> Jake I have cardboard cutouts of guy. all my family members. I'll t- <laughs> take photos in front of them all the time. Um, you know, that's cool. So, Erica, are you aware of Paul F. Tompkins' uh, character? Oh, I've heard of this. Oh, you heard of or heard it? Heard of. I think Matt was telling me. This is what you were telling oh, me, right? It's a bit about it? It's amazing. It's it's only loosely. I mean, it is the character is the cake boss. And yeah. it, you know, it started as an impression, but then it, it just morphed over various appearances on Comedy Bang Bang. Into something that's completely right. Like now he has he has uh, the power of second sight. Like he goes into a fugue state and can see the future. I think like it's just like a bizarre. <laughs> oh, that's They've just added features to it, but it's it's one of his best running characters. Yeah, I got to I got to work on the production one summer as like an intern, and it was like the second season that they were filming, so the show like blew up. So I'd be working in the bakery three days a week, and then working on production three days a week. And hilarious. I remember John Panette, stand up comedian did yeah. a bit about the cake boss on like the tonight show and i'll never forget like we come into work and the whole production crew is like apparently there was a bit about cake boss like making fun of buddy and everyone's like what and we're all like quietly watching hovered over a computer because we're like <laughs> we don't know if he's gonna be mad or whatever like and and you know john Pinnett is like the nicest also a clean comic like it wasn't you know, like right, hurtful right, right. at all. It was actually really funny. So we ended up showing it to Buddy and he like laughed. He was like, oh, okay. He was like, that's pretty, that's pretty good. But I'm like, you know, that's a success. You got comedians making fun of you. I'm like, yeah. On the yeah, map. yeah. And it's yeah, a big enough it. reference as well that comedians can do it on the Tonight Show without having to spend the whole set. Explain- no, so there's this guy in a show and it's, all right, so let, let's go back a bit. So uh, right, first you right. need to know about New Jersey. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. Hmm. I wonder what it was like working on To Catch a Predator. Like it, everyone, everyone talked about that show. Yeah. I wonder if like the production team. It's weird that it had a production like. It oh yeah, wasn't, just, it uh, wasn't just I, a legal thing. It was a proper show with like PAs and stuff. Right. Oh yeah, they, they reached out to me about uh the, the, the casting for the new season. I just uh I haven't seen the show, but they just they you just, mean as, as one of the decoys, Instagram, right? Is it as one of the <laughs> as, as a guy showing or one of the children, um one of the. I don't know. That show always confused me. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to pivot. Um, no, no, no. It's like I mean, if it was run how Cake Boss was run, like they would find customers that already were getting like a cake from the bakery for something, right? And they would be looking for like what's the theme of this cake, and is this something we could like make a bigger cake in an episode, or you know, they would interview couples for like whose weddings coming up, and I think it was like they did the cake for like the first official gay wedding in New York, like stuff like that, but. It, it's like how it works is like they would meet with all those people and like kind of interview them and I'm like yeah can you imagine like there's there's like several people they have pretending to be kids online and they're like what's the storyline of your 
You're your predator. Oh, and they're like, oh, he owns an automobile, like auto dealership. We've already done that. Next. Like, yeah. like Hollywood producer of like, shouldn't we just catch all these guys? Like, shouldn't we? No, it's got to have a backstory. There's got to be an arc. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like they also. There's got to they... be diversity in our predators as well. We can't. Yeah. And they do those little interviews. They, they find like one thing and then it becomes your whole thing. Like when I yeah. did a, when I did the last comic standing, like a producer guy interviewed me. But it took like 30 seconds. He's like, so what are you about when you're not doing comedy? What do you do? Come on. You know, and it's like writing uh-huh. shit on an index card. Uh, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I like, uh, you know, I used to play in bands some, like in high school. And now I, uh, you know, but that kind of st- and then And then everything, like the whole piece they wanted to film was just like they took like at Guitar Center. Like as if like I'm this. <laughs> you're like the rock right. and roll comic. Yeah. Like- and it's like, no, it's just a thing I mentioned. You know, but they make yeah, it. You're like the you're, one comedian who was in a high school band. Yep, it's never happened. Um, it's you're, never you're, happened. You mean you're a before. comedian who plays the guitar sometimes? Wait, yeah, wait, but, wait. But anytime but not I on see stage, a re- but can play the guitar off stage. Anytime what? I see a reality show, I'm just, I'm just like, man, mm. it's brutal how much like the people got locked into this identity. Have you guys seen Lego Masters? No, no. It's a, it's a Lego building competition show. Will Arnett. It's horrible, you know. Will Arnett's the host. Like it's kind of funny, I guess, in that way. <laughs> but it's uh, they make the contestants dress. They have to. They have to wear. It's almost like actual costumes where it's like these two guys are a Lego building team and they're scientists. So it's like two guys. They have to wear lab coats the whole time. Yeah. Oh, the, really? The, the last season, it was full like two fully dressed firemen. Oh my God! Trying to build the Legos, and they're like, yeah, but I can tell it's it's just something they mentioned. Like, oh, we we met when we were both one summer. We were volunteer firemen, and then we there's once way saw more in- backdraft. Yeah, yeah. There's way more interesting stuff about them, but they're like already throwing them in a full fireman suit, and now you're just stuck <laughs> as that. You know. Oh yeah. Well, I was gonna say, as the show for children, it's almost like the kids won't know unless we put them in costume. Like, Maybe they won't yeah. get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, most of the shows I watch, I think, are for children. Uh, <laughs> and I still watch them. Um, uh, so, uh, Erica, yeah. one thing we like to ask all of our guests anytime we have one on is what's your background in science? Uh, if you have any background in science, but everyone does. It can just be. That, yeah, that's right. Maybe, like, may, uh, maybe sci fi movies you enjoyed. Maybe. Or teachers uh, you liked or hated. You did with or your friends. Or, blowing stuff up in the woods or. Or baking in a family bakery or anything. <laughs> right. A, a science in itself, absolutely. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I know I'm like, the first thing I thought of, I'm like, oh, this might shoot me in the foot later if I am if I seem dumb on this show. But um, no. I, I originally went to school to be a dentist. Like, I was originally that math science kid uh, that those were my best subjects. So I, like, leaned into that, went to school for that. Yeah. You and went to you went to school to be a dentist, and your cousin's the cake boss. Yeah, little you guys are running <laughs> yeah. a racket. I know, a little uh, racket here. Yeah. Yeah. Filling, so yeah, filling next door. Yeah, my yeah. one cousin didn't graduate high school, became an international superstar with cakes, and and I went the dental route. Uh, my dad was a dentist, so that also obviously was probably part of the conditioning uh, there. And also, like I, I'm from a town that there's not like cool jobs in the town. It's like you're a teacher, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor. Like, like you have that mentality of like, okay, if I go to college, what job could I get that I could come back to my hometown and like work, you know, there's not like, I'm the marketing coordinator of the, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, or so it's, it's like a town rare. with like real job. Like it's not uh, just those fake title jobs. Yeah, it's like it's, literally it's like the Richard you, Scary yeah. book. It's like if you played the the game of life, like one of the cards you would get from the game of life. Exactly, yeah. Very kind of basic stuff. Uh, Oh, and engineering was also really huge because Lockheed Martin um, and IBM were like the primary employers of the area. So like most of my high school friends all became engineers, like lawyers, like same thing. And it was like everyone kind of just became what their parents were usually. It was like pretty common. Um, my, my mom went to school originally. My, my mom uh, went into the medical field, but she originally went to school for engineering and mm-hmm. dropped out because of like the insane hazing. And like the school wound up getting sued. This was like in Canada. It was like not even um, part of like a frat, just like the engineering. No, just the engineering yeah. department where like they wild. like tried to like shave her head and stuff. What? <laughs> like, what are you, what's going on? Yeah. God. Well, it's like it, you think of that scene in Social Network where they're like having the competition to become, you know, one of the coders for Facebook before it's even huge. And they're like having to rip shots and stuff like every hour. It's kind of like that because it is like engineering yeah. is like the smartest of the smartest. And it's like so it's almost like they're all in a room being like, well, we need to still compete with each other some way, you know, and there is that hazing. Um, do you uh, since you were so into teeth, do you notice <laughs> Do you notice teeth a lot? Like, are you, uh, do you notice people's teeth? You know, it's funny. I never thought I did until I had a friend pick out to me. She was like, any guy you're attracted to always has like really nice teeth. Interesting. And then I was like, oh, it is a thing. But I don't So what's it like that- working with Matt, working with a British guy? <laughs> is this like annoying? Oh, okay. This is going to sound crazy, but I actually was like, when Matt was like, I'm from England. I was like, oh, he's got great teeth from being from England. Okay. All right. <laughs> he has a nice smile. Very nice smile. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, but it's like, I think that's just more ingrained. My dad would always, when people had nice teeth, I mean, teeth, also fuck you, like, but oh. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know like in, it's not true in England, like, like perfectly straight teeth is not considered attractive there, right? Am I crazy? It's no, it's more okay. F- firstly, the, like the sort of stereotype of like terrible British teeth is no longer the case. Like it's like there's been dentistry Matt, when you're wearing, and orthodontistry Matt, for I, a long time. You're sounding muffled because your bobby hat I think <laughs> fell down over your head, so I'm having trouble yeah. hearing the mic. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm recording from the chimney that I live in. But <laughs> yeah, I... put, put down your kebab and uh... <laughs> all right. But no, I, look, I will say, uh, at least until fairly recently, although although trends from America like end up in the UK anyway, just a little bit later. But definitely for a while, the, like the excessively white, like super bleached, like Hollywood bleach smile was. You'd look at that and go, like, it looks false. It's almost like uncanny valley teeth. Right. Uh, oh, they usually are like fake. Tooth. They're like veneers when they're that bright. Yeah, exactly. So, no so that for a while, real. like you wouldn't see that on like British TV, like British actors or whatever. Would be like that's just it. Would, they'd have good teeth, but they would have like good teeth that are like ivory colored, not yeah, not sort of yeah. white paint like colored. Uh, <laughs> right, like the color of bones, like, the color of teeth. Exactly, exactly. The the, the color of clean, unstained teeth. Uh, but now I think there is becoming more of a trend for like the sort of people in britain also to have the 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 very very white like two perfect ones mm. funny because i feel like it's a trend now in america that they're casting people that do not have perfect teeth yeah they definitely well it's about time frankly <laughs> uh, they definitely yeah. yellowed up that always throws me like when they're doing historical dramas and stuff like and they put all that work into having 
like the costume look perfect and they even they dirty their faces up and then they have like uh, it yeah. bothers me too. They have the, like the yeah. smile of an NBA player. It's just yeah. like, well, what the fuck have you? You've got like fifty thousand dollar veneers in, and you're you're playing like an urchin, <laughs> you're playing like a sort of fifteenth century peasant. That's just it's like at least like put like dirty their teeth a bit and like make. But maybe did, put, like, didn't couple. they have nicer teeth? I mean, uh, I I know when you had teeth problems, there were less solutions, but there were no processed sugars, wasn't it? Like cavities are fairly recent, aren't they? We've uh, I mean, I we discussed this, were, right? How like teeth, they used to teeth were teeth generally back in the day. That I know. Even if cavities were less uh, prevalent, there there was definitely no way your teeth just stayed gleaming white your entire life like that. No, no, I no, I just mean I I I thought there was I thought the level of tooth decay that we are experiencing is fairly recent. It's probably higher. I'm not I'd, sure. It would make sense. But also tooth like tooth care has gotten better or also that's why they like started putting fluoride in local water resources. Yes. Which yeah. is funny now the wave is everyone being like fluoride's bad for you and it's like no it's literally no, put it's, in the water uh, so that your teeth won't rot. <laughs> like it helps oh, with your on, teeth protection. On. Putting it putting a link in the uh, Erica, you'll be able to see this if you click on the link in the in in, in the app. Oh, uh, it is true. Less healthy. Prehistoric Look humans at, had better mm-hmm. teeth than we do. Yeah, look at me, not a total, not a total douche. Huh? We may well have done this story on the show at some point, but oh, hilarious! Uh, we have ago. straighter teeth, whiter teeth, and more beautiful, shimmery teeth than our parents. But it turns out we have less healthy teeth than our ancestors. We, even though we brush our teeth every morning and floss and use mouthwash, speak for yourself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the shift from meat, nuts, and vegetables to grains and sugars has wreaked havoc in our mouth by changing the kind of bacteria we find there. It all started with farming, says Alan Cooper, the director of the Australian Centre for Ancient DNA, which sounds like a it sounds like a job. yeah, it sounds like a farmer banged his wife. <laughs> yeah, and that's why. <laughs> <laughs> started fucking farmers but like the Australian the Australian Centre for Ancient DNA sounds like the beginning of like like a fake job from like the mummy or something like yeah. that it's yeah, just like yeah. he's 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 the guy who start, who opens the tomb that then ends up with releasing untold horrors that need to be fought by our hero aren't we supposed to not say mummy anymore yes. or was that a fa- or was that a fake think, outrage that feels that like was... a, that feels like a fa- uh, like it's a gotta fake. be a fake outrage right well I mean being whether or not you choose to be outraged is your choice, but like, yes. th- it, it, there was an article that I think was genuine in the way that like slave as a term for a person as opposed to a, an enslaved person is going out of fashion. Like, sure, hang on, uh, I, I found sense. I I found a, a, a story, and I'm I'm I don't. It's in the Daily Mail, so I, I'm not even. I don't click on Daily Mail stories out of principle, but like when I just googled the words "can't say mummy." The, the the headline says British Museum stops using the word mummy out of respect, and that's where it cuts off on Google. So I can't see what the rest of it is, uh. but it also has like a one pull quote from the article that is um, that is showing in the search results, and it says a British Museum spokesman said the museum hasn't banned the use of the term mummy, and it's still in use across our galleries. Our recent, and that's where the quote cuts off. So I'm I'm just going to say that this is probably the Daily Mail Beat. bullshitting a story that people are going to read the headline of and not get through to the actual article. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say, you go. know, this cancel culture has gone too far. It's <laughs> not that. I just, I just didn't know why. I was like, mummy, what? But they, uh, that's like a process of mummification. They remove your organs and shit. Like I thought. Um, yeah, here, here we go. Um, it, USA it, Today, it must USA have Today, a definition. Fact check. <laughs> like, Outrating false. The woke, 
the quote woke claim is baseless the museum okay. says okay okay the museum has both uses both the term mummy and mummified remains of across current displays and exhibitions the museum has not banned the word mummy and there are no plans for it to be phased out in some places the museum uses mummified remains of when the name of the mummified individual is known that right is, right that's see that checks out this emphasizes that the remains belong to people who once lived oh so this is literally what it is it's like trying to this is i'm i'm reconstructing what i think happened okay um and so nothing has changed it's just a completely it's an made entirely up invented yeah. daily mail yeah. faux outrage where it's um <laughs> where the, the british museum has tried to wherever possible if they know who it is that remains of or at least you know at least some information about who it's the remains of rather than saying this is a mummy from they will say this is the mummified remains of to contextualize right. what it is and the person behind the story <laughs> and the person inside the bandages and the Daily Mail has then tried to fra- frame it as some kind of like they won't say can't, mummy. Can't anymore even say mummy anymore, woke. man. The woke, <laughs> the woke left. You can't even say mummy with no reason either. Like no, no justification for why that is a thing that you would even try to not say. They just yeah. When it, I was growing up, we were afraid of the classic Universal monsters, all right? And <laughs> yeah. that included. I got canceled for dead naming a Frankenstein, and I will not stand for it. <laughs> now you got to say Frankenstein's monster, like a woke left. Because <laughs> the. <laughs> Sorry if that's not political correct <laughs> but i will call it a frankenstein because it is a frankenstein <laughs> right you got bolts in your neck you're a fucking frankenstein all right and it, um ah that's so stupid all right yeah well yeah sorry i didn't mean to sidetrack there so teeth were no, better. I'm glad we found that I out. I'm, I'm glad well, we both found and debunked that within seconds. And the cereal inspired by all these monsters will give you the cavities that we are referring to. There right? you go. So what is what is uh, that cereal? I don't. This is an American there's, cereal. Well, there's Count Chocula. There's Booberry. There's um, oh, Franken. What's the Franken? Franken? Oh, Frankenberry. Are they both berry? Wait, wait. There's a there's a ghost one and a Frankenstein nah, one. you're thinking you're thinking of Oops All Berries. And that's no, where Frankenberry is a thing. Frankenberry, yeah. that sounds like something uh, Jesus got or something. No, Frankenberry is one of the monster cereals. Oh, uh, Franken, Boo- like it was like a knockoff of the chocolate, chocolate, chocula guys, Dracula. What was the like? Yeah, well, Count like Chocula. Chocolate. Count Chocula. Yeah, he was like the berry version of that. Yeah, Al like Franken, kind of Al guy. Franken's cereal. Yeah, <laughs> Frankenberry. Wait, what other monster cereals were there? But but yeah. He, uh, there's yeah the oops all berry I thought you were talking about that with oh, Captain, boop, there, no there's booberry and frankenberry uh, and um, fruit oh fruit brute I think that was one that was discontinued before our time but that is the fruit werewolf brute? Uh, hold on I'll, I'll link to if people want to see if you just google image search for uh, monster cereals you'll get these yeah. but yeah I think while we're correcting and debunking things as well before we move into the stories we did have a correction from Manuel Royal who says in Christian mythology immaculate conception this is from the last episode we did refers to the Virgin Mary's conception because she was free of the stain of original sin it doesn't mean Jesus's conception and then says don't feel bad about it even Catholics get this wrong but I'm afraid I do feel bad about this, and my apologies to the Virgin Mary. Yeah, that, that really is the Frankenstein's monster of Catholicism, right there, <laughs> isn't it? So I, I, uh, I googled monster cereal. It's just showing me a picture of a really big cereal. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's huh. 
Uh, by the way, one more tooth thing before we move on. I am. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Get it. Get you got to get one more tooth sure. thing in there. Well, I need. To, I, need I want some advice from you guys or from the listeners because the the days are are ticking before I drive down to Mexico to get a crown put in. I've got five days. So, uh, listeners, if I should if I should not do this, please email probablyscience at gmail.com and tell oh, me why. No, you should. Yeah, Emery, friend of the show, Emery Emery got dental work done in Mexico, okay. and. He said it was great. It was a great experience. It was um, like uh, there, there's a whole. I presume you're going to one of the clinics that's just on the other side of the border. They are they are entirely designed to cater for this. Yeah. They like have a whole system set up where they'll like meet you on the border. All the staff speak English because they're basically entirely catering to Americans who are on medical tourism. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna um, say. I feel like I know a couple of comics that got veneers in Mexico or like Dominican Republic. Oh, same situation. They go to like a clinic, and it would often be American doctors that were like training to learn how to do it. Interesting. But whatever with the laws, there's or there's like classes. Like my brother did implants, which is like a whole other thing than a crown. But he like went to the DR to do some clinic of like so many people down there need it. So they were like yeah, yeah. essentially doing it for free, but these people were willing to be patient. So I'd be like, if someone went to the same spot, I'd be. Oh, like, you mean den- right. dental implants? Yeah, dental implants. Sorry. Right, right. right. So oh my god! I'm talking about boobs. Implants. You're like, they're like, my they bad. all need it. These Dominican women. Have you seen them <laughs> with their horrible titties? Um, <laughs> no, they're the last people that need it. They're like fucking great. <laughs> oh they all god. need implants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant a dental implant. My bad. Yeah, which but I might, like a, I know, might need that. We'll see, because I don't know how deep this crack. It's but it's a back molar, so I'm like, if if I fuck up and this isn't what I should have done, it's a tooth that, you know, I can live without it for a while if they just have to pull it. But it's going to save me a thousand dollars. And like you said, it's right across from Yuma, Arizona, and it's this tiny town, but like 50 dentists within a two block walk of the border. Mm-hmm. So you just park yeah. in the parking lot on the it's, U.S. It's, side, walk across. Uh, yeah, so we'll see what. That, happens. Yeah, that's literally what it, the whole thing is designed around. That and. Yeah. And my understanding is because that is what it is and there's so many places, the the quality control is pretty high because they're like they're all competing with each other to be good and to get custom and I presume you read reviews of the place you're going to right. online and which you know, who knows what but you know, has the most and highest and then um just from whatever you can gauge from aesthetics of just the way that the office what, looks. What is it you're getting? Uh, what is it you're getting? A, a crack. I just have a crack, which I didn't realize until my last dentist visit. They don't see cracks on X-rays. You can see cavities, but you. So I had this crack for a long time, but until I pointed out that this thing hurts when something lands just so on it, he was like, "Oh yeah, that's that tooth is cracked." I'm like, "Why didn't you tell me?" And I guess you need a CT scan to see that and not an X-ray. So oh. I won't know until I get down there if it's so deep that I have to just have the tooth pulled and get an implant. But if it's a crown, it saves me. A thousand dollars, and it's the same distance from here as right. driving to LA. And so. also better drugs, right? You get way better drugs. Sure, right? I assume. I mean, actually, I've never had, I've never had like nitrous at a dentist. I don't know if that. I haven't I either. That'll... It's it's not as common as people like think. Oh, or but you you'd get a, but like you'd have like propofol for that. You know, it'd be like getting your no wisdom idea. teeth pulled. You would just they would just zonk you. It wouldn't be like nitrous. No, I was that, awake. I, I was know. awake. I got my wisdom teeth out. Oh, I was, they, they messed me up. I was like, yeah, full propofol. Wait, is that, that's not technically. That's not a sleep, that's, right? That's like the laughing gas? No, that's no, like full is Twilight? Uh, it's Twilight. Yeah, it's, um, it's not general anesthesia. Yeah. Um, like you breathe, you're still breathing on your own and such. You don't need a ventilator. Yeah. Right, right. But it's, uh, yeah, you're out. You're out cold. It's uh, the, it's what killed Michael Jackson. Yeah, I knew that part of it. Yeah. I had it once. Uh, I've had both propofol and at a different time nitrous for a colonoscopy 
Uh, okay. And, and yeah, Propofol was amazing. I was like, oh shit, it was like, I understand why Michael Jackson did it. Like, I understand why, <laughs> I don't understand why his doctor would. I, I still, like, I like, still think I would have felt weird they were so young. Um, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Um, no, Propofol is amazing. Propofol's it's absolutely yeah, amazing. I, I just, I remember waking up for, like after the procedure was done in like the recovery room and just feeling, I felt like I'd had the best night's sleep. I'd, I'd had a colonoscopy. I woke up from a colonoscopy feeling better than I've woken up in like the past week. The yeah, week. and well, and also you, the prep day is over. You know, you get to eat. My uh, yeah. the the yeah, hospital the prep here. is worse than the procedure. Oh, the prep's horrible. The prep is the worst part. Yeah, by the time you get to the procedure, you don't care what they do. You're like, get in there, <laughs> use a GoPro. I don't care. You're Just like, I'm not homophobic anymore. Just yeah, please <laughs> give me some food. Just please, I don't care what you do. Um, my, where I go, uh, to get my colonoscopies, cause I got to get them, uh, Erica, it's a long backstory, but I got to get them like every six months, oh, you okay. know, they're shoving yeah. all kinds of weird stuff up there, you know? Je- so I got to, had ass cancer that, like, yeah, hey, yeah. You know what get... it feels like to be a woman at the gyno. <laughs> like, yeah, they got what's going on, but all right. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know what's going on down there, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I go in there and, um, but my hospital here, it's a teaching hospital. Mm. And so that's a nightmare, right? It's like you, they wheel you back and you got your IV in and, uh, and they wheel you back. And then there's just like a bunch of 19 year old med school students that are about to check out your gaping asshole. Oh, like they all <laughs> uh, watch the procedure? And so Propofol, what I, it overcomes that. You still don't care. Yeah. That's how strong it is. It's like you, you go from this is a literal recurring nightmare that people have to um, it's totally fine if all these people want to look up my ass. That's how strong the drug is. I've I love always it. thought that I would make a good teacher, and but I've never, you know, I've never actually taught. But I, f- I feel like you know that would be like a good, like best step, like a you know, best alternative. Well, you have a if like, I could be like, your accent I, makes I haven't, it soothing. Yeah, it's like I haven't taught a class, but I have like opened my ass to a bunch of students, and they've learned from it. <laughs> yes. No. Exactly. I, um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I actually I had uh, heart surgery when I was like a baby, and I go for these oh, wow. checkups at these hospitals that are teaching hospitals, and I will never forget being like, I don't know. So it doesn't bother me either. Like they'll be like, Do you know, couple- babies have a heartbeat? See the Roe versus Wade yeah. thing. <laughs> I did you? I, I don't. Why are you getting political on our? Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. But I will never forget there was some med student, like this guy, and like they would like listen to my heart because I have like a slight heart murmur. And they were like, oh, do you mind? We have a teaching hospital. Some people come in. I'm like, no, not at all. But I didn't realize it meant they were all going to listen to my heart. And I will never forget this one. Like he seemed like a child to me because I think I was like 22 and he was probably, I don't know, 18. He like his hand was shaking to put like the stethoscope like near my boob. I was like, oh, buddy. I was like, you got to get over this. You're going to be a doctor. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I know you've been studying a lot, but we got to we got to get you some dates. You know? Yeah. It's just a boob, man. Don't freak out. (laughs) This might uh, feel a little cold, my lady. Um, If I (laughs) if you don't mind. uh... (laughs) He was shaking. I was like, oh, this poor guy. I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can always, I can, uh, yeah, teaching hospitals, you can always kind of tell who's going to make it yeah. and who's like parents are making them do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what could help uh, future students learn possibly? Hey, what's that? What's that? Uh, artificial intelligence. Oh? Oh. Go on. M- maybe. 
uh, although I don't have an article about artificial intelligence in, in any medical fields, uh, we do have an article sent in by listener Stephen Honor, A-H-N-E-R, not, uh, although who asked how you spell it? Um, so weirdly, we were talking uh, on one of the first podcasts we did after ChatGPT launched, I think Jesse just spontaneously came up with having ChatGPT write Seinfeld scripts or scenes where the the crew from Seinfeld meet uh, Optimus Prime, for instance. Yeah. But there there is uh, an entire, like, I guess it was like a constantly live generating animated version of Seinfeld that was being written and voiced on the fly by AI. Is that how it worked? I yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was so, an infinite... I, I believe it was like the, the scripts are generated by chat G. GP or whatever I can always forget the letters, um, and then the and then that scripts were being fed into a different thing that was like voicing and animating it automatically. So that was the article that was sent to us. By the time I clicked on the article, the update was that it, it had already been taken down because uh, the because of, animated because of, um, Seinfeld had already turned transphobic. <laughs> yeah. So the, the article we'll link to in show notes here is in Vice. Uh, Nothing Forever was the infinitely generating AI version of Seinfeld that tens of thousands of people were watching, including Jesse told me before we recorded he'd been watching it. Uh, it's been banned for 14 days from Twitch after Larry Feinberg, a clone of Jerry Seinfeld, made transphobic statements during a stand-up bit late Sunday night. Um, here's the quote. Hey, everybody, here's the latest. We received a 14-day suspension due to what Larry Feinberg said tonight during a club bit. Xander, one of the creators of Nothing Forever, said on Discord, we've appealed the ban and we'll let you know as we know more what Twitch decides. Um, so the show's AI, which is trained on classic sitcom episodes and various AI tools, mimics that of a traditional Seinfeld episode, which starts with a stand-up routine from Larry, not Jerry, um, before moving to his apartment. And during one of those sets, this is now a week ago, he made, let's see, the actual quote was, there's like 50 people here and no one is laughing. Anyone have any suggestions? I'm thinking about doing a bit about how being transgender is actually a mental illness. Like, okay, now we've crossed over into a, it's like five or six years ago when that, was it Microsoft? Who, some some chat bot went live and then went full Nazi within like days of, of going live, interacting with, with humans at large. Um, hmm. But it's just, it's... Uh... It's just machine learning. I mean, are, I I still don't know when we can actually call it AI, as if it on its own assembled transphobic thoughts like a neural pattern. Which, but it's just this is based on probably a shitload of articles about transphobia in stand-up comedy of late, right? And then that made it through the chat filter. I think we've talked about this, but like, what is your definition then when you will call, I mean, no one's calling this artificial general intelligence yet, but like, you don't even consider this something we can call AI yet. Is that right? Nah, not really. No, I think it's, um, uh, I mean, you, then you get into the debate of like, well, what, how do our brains work then? It's just, it's all just learning and compiled together. But yeah, there's a difference to me, there's a difference between like machine learning uh, and then using that to form a unique. I don't know. That's a heavy question. I'm not prepared to answer. I, yeah. I to me, it's not full AI yet. No, it's it's um, it's just it's like. Um, I mean, you could you could say like uh, autofill. It's the same to me as like autofill. 
uh, when you're typing something in on Google and it just fills out the rest of it. It's the same thing in a more complicated and sometimes elegant format. Right. I mean, I, I guess I'm not even arguing against that. It's more just like, does it matter what we call it? If Regardless, we agree it's gotten to a place of scary competence. Th- this thing notwithstanding, obviously I'm not like supporting what um, bit was, but it's still, even if it's not what you would call any kind of intelligence, it's still doing things that we didn't think non-human things could do a little while ago. Sure. I guess I never thought non-human things couldn't do that or that it wouldn't be, or that it's not completely inevitable. Like I'm already, uh, I already fully defend robots rights. Like I know we're not there yet, but fully, fully defend it. Um, are you just are you just putting that out into the ether just so that it, so I don't get cancelled in twenty years? <laughs> oh no, you're, you're just like Jesse to... Case. Wish it to be known that I will always. Yeah. No, no, I guess destroy I... him when they take over. No, well, yeah, Rocco's I... basilisk, right? Is well, that no, called? what I'm what I'm saying is like there will be a point with quantum computing where um, you're going to have AI that can, for instance, simulate feeling pain or something like that, and but we're still going to say who gives a shit it's not human and then i think what's the difference versus biology or like quantum connection what's the difference between a biological or mechanical connection at that point Mm. if it still thinks it's feeling like could it fail its own turing test like at what at what point does something become a life form yeah that's going to be something we you know what i'm saying and then it's and then it's like yeah i fully like even if it is programmed pain, then what? Well, then what the fuck are our brains? You know. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I fully defend, uh, like very hu- like it will get to a point where you yeah, defend it when it reaches this hypothetical place that you don't think it is right now. No, I don't think we're there right now. Right. Right. Um, but I think we will get to that place, and I fully defend us not throwing them into war zones, uh, because then they'll be like, no, that sucks. If they're yeah, if we create something that's capable of feeling pain, then suddenly we have an obligation not to have it. But we'll say it's not pain. real pain; it's just programmed or whatever. And well, then, no, at but a then it's point, like we I, might have to contend with the fact that we've created consciousness. I mean, we're right? Not there yet, I, but, yeah, like, I mean, at what point is a feeling a feeling? Just because it's a microchip versus organic matter, who gives a fuck? You know, we may never do it though, or we may never know that we've done it, and we may fool ourselves. I mean. I'm not a vegetarian, but I recognize that I'm a hypocrite because, like, I certainly think there are animals that I've eaten that are pretty damn high up the the ladder of of consciousness. Well, that's you know? called cannibalism, and it's weird that you did that. And it's weird, <laughs> like, I was there, first of all, and he was a good guy. He was a good He landscaper. was not a good guy. He was a good he landscaper. He cheated at poker. <laughs> it was more than the one time. Uh, what's this link you've put? That, I think I've already told you guys this. Erica, I'm sorry you haven't heard this yet, but now that you've heard it, you have to dedicate your life to creating Rocco's Basilisk, which is a monster that uh, it's an AI, hypothetical AI monster in the future. And when it is created, it's going to torment every person who didn't dedicate every waking moment to its creation. Oh. And now that you are aware that it could exist, you now have to drop everything and make it exist. Uh, Otherwise, it will torment you for all eternity. When it does. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Now that you know it, there's oh, no getting around it. If this ever does come into existence, everybody who didn't bring it into existence will live in a, in a hellfire for all time. Well, got to go back so, to school. <laughs> yep. Every listener, so now you're also compelled to create Rocco's Basilisk. 
Sorry. No, it's gonna. She's gonna get a pass. It's gonna exist, but like it's gonna have a cavity, and she'll be like, "I can help." <laughs> okay, yeah. And <laughs> you gotta make yourself useful to the robots. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, this yes. cavity is a thousand dollars to fix. I'll be like, "I know a place you can get it for free." Yeah, <laughs> come with me. <laughs> you guys have a fun um, little road trip together. Yeah. <laughs> you want some cake? Um, I got a cannoli. I got a cannoli. On the way to take him to Buddy V's. <laughs> on the way to Mexico, I really want to stop at a rundown uh, gas station and pull up on a chain and uh, just go into an underground lair full of submachine guns. <laughs> I just feel like that has to happen. Like the T two scene when you just uh, oh yeah, yeah. The yeah you sort of step on it, a scorpion I, as you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it says this uh, this Rocco's Basilisk is it's just a modern version of Pascal's Pascal's wager. Yeah, but like this thing could could like create like it could be so smart that it could I guess the same way hell is eternal. Like it could keep your consciousness alive and in constant pain for all time once it's been created, you know. Sure. Which I guess God could with Pascal's wager also. So, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it no, could. I, but the, Pascal's the, wager is just like if God does exist you're a dummy you should you should just act like he does because the price for getting it wrong is so high yeah it talks about that's yeah, just yeah, the that's wager yeah that's basically makes. what it is it's like if there if if there is a god uh, and you don't work and you don't believe in god and worship him then you're in real shit in the afterlife and right. if there is a god and you do worship him then you're you have you live in heaven which is amazing uh so the the price for winning or losing if you believe in god if god does exist is really high and then if there isn't then you've just you know spent your life worshiping something that doesn't exist and you don't know about it anyway because you die and there's nothing so right. you, you know what so i am so, what, the, so what yeah, about picking the I, wrong I think there's one, a huge but, flaw in that argument yeah. like that yeah so basically the the premise is you don't really lose anything by believing in god if there isn't one but you really lose stuff if you don't believe in God and there is one. Or if you believe in the uh, wrong one. Like, how do you know which one if you're just... Well, that's gonna, one, yeah, of, like, one of the massive flaws in it is, yes, how do you know you're not worshipping... It could be a Hin there could be a Hindu god or a Zoroastrian god or whatever the fuck, and you spend your time worshipping the one wrong faith. So that's one of the flaws. And the other flaw, I think, is that you don't lose nothing by believing, by spending your life following a religion that turns out to be bullshit like that's that comes with a cost that comes with a a moral and spiritual and also just time, time. consuming and just yeah. and you lose your Sunday you miss out on stuff yeah. yeah you just like there's a lot of it does change how you live your life uh to i would argue a negative uh extent if you believe if you follow a religion that is turns out to be bullshit my 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 reverse version of pascal's wager sort of that i i guess have with myself is uh, and I'm only speaking for myself here, and uh, I'm very pro-choice about what people's faith is or lack thereof. But I'm I'm an atheist, you know, and uh, but I figure that if I'm wrong, uh, according to everything I've heard about God, God would understand, you know. Yeah, you'd want to believe that you wouldn't set up life as this like game that some well, people well, are destined to lose because they're not close enough to a place that prints Bibles or whatever. Like, well, well, no, I just I. It's not even that. It would just be like I feel like if I if I die, uh, and then suddenly I'm like, oh shit, I was wrong. There's this light, and I'm talking. God damn it, you know. Um, I'd be like, there wasn't that, much. That's cost you that phrase. Yeah, right. But I'd be like, uh, I'd I'd be like, there wasn't much proof there, buddy. <laughs> you know, like you could have <laughs> sprinkled some more proof around, <laughs> and I feel it'd be like, yeah, you're right. You know, that's uh, a good. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. 
this Rocco's Basilisk thing is very interesting. Have you had the Rocco's Basiliskets by uh, oh, Post no. Cereal? Uh, Tons uh, of mushrooms. Pop, very good. Fresh. Yeah, yeah. No, it's my favorite monster cereal. Oh, nice. I see Matt's got a story queued up here. Well, yeah, just us? because it's connected to what we were talking about beforehand. I just happened to, I was, I was poking around the various science sites. I was looking at a different story and I just found there's a new story about the chemi- surprising chemicals used to embalm Egyptian mummies, which, as we all know, we're not allowed to say that word anymore because of cause, cause the wokarati. <laughs> Correct. Uh, but, but this article hasn't found that out yet. So, Label Potts founded a 2,500-year-old embalming workshop has revealed the plant and animal extracts used to prepare ancient Egyptian mummies, including ingredients originating hundreds and even thousands of kilometers away. Chemical analysis of the pot's contents has identified complex mixtures of botanic resins and other substances, some of them from plants that grow as far away as Southeast Asia. The discovery was reported in uh, Nature just this week. Previously, insights into the embalming process have come from two main sources, historical texts and chemical analyses of the mummies themselves. But linking these strands of information has proved difficult, says Salima Ikram, an archaeologist and mummy specialist at the American University in Cairo, who was not involved in the research. Sorry, Salima. Got to get those third parties involved in these articles, right? That's the role of all... You you might have the name of something, but you don't know what the hell it is, except the hieroglyphic suggesting it's an oil or a resin. But this has now changed tank to an underground embalming workshop discovered in 2016 as Saqqara, an ancient Egyptian burial ground in use from 2900 BC or earlier. There's no way... like Every story about Egypt and Egyptology does feel like the beginning of a movie. Yeah. Like an ancient burial ground, an underground embalming workshop. Like, um, but in, inside this workshop, which dates to somewhere between 664 and 525 BC, archaeologists discover dozens of ceramic vessels used in the embalming process, many labeled with an ingredient they contain and their use. This is the first time you got jars with labels of the contents, says Ikram. The first time? Think- you can definitely say those are the first labeled jars? Well, this is the first time they have discovered them. I don't think okay. these are the first labeled yeah. jars in history. Okay. I don't think that's what they're claiming. I, I don't think that. This is the invention of the label. Yeah. <laughs> the, first, the first label has been dated now to 660 BC. Before that, people just had to open the lid. There was no way to know. <laughs> it, was, it was really revolutionary when they finally saved a lot of problems. They had no way of judging each other's clothing. Yeah. <laughs> have I have I ever told you about my 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 uncle tracing the family tree? No. And he he sat down with my great uncle Sam for a, a, like a good couple of hours, and this is he's, he's no longer with us, great uncle Sam. But my, my uncle Peter sat down with him for a while, and like you know, got as much of the family history out of him as he could. And then after a while, he goes, "Now this guy, this 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 man, he was a famous inventor." Okay, and he and he went. Yeah, he invented the cupboard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, was any of this true then, or have you just been bullshitting for two hours? (laughs) Oh my! My great 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 grandfather was the first person to put a door on the shelf. (laughs) Like the first first cupboard in history was two hundred years ago. When was the first one of the cushions cupboard? Yeah, what, I mean, like, some stuff like, what t- came first, the cupboard or the cabinet? Oh, <laughs> like, how, like, would you, how would you? Some stuff stupidly recent, though, and you're like, no way, that had to be an ancient thing. 
And then it's like, nope, that didn't exist till 50 years ago. And you're just like, well, <laughs> what? You know? Like, uh, well, they're, they're weird ones with food as well. Like, how recently, given this on my mind, because we just came from a, eating a massive Italian meal, but both pasta and the tomato were not in Italy until relatively recently. Right. Look at their teeth yeah. now. Look at their <laughs> yep. teeth now. <laughs> Wait, where did the tomato originally get cultivated? The Americas. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. And there they brought over. Like, pizza wasn't invented in Italy either. Was that somewhere in, that in, in Asia? Yeah, I think like there, there's an argument that it was invented in Asia originally. It was actually the first place. Although I'm sure, like when you get to the like the fundamental definition of what makes a pizza a pizza, you could sort of be like, I bet every culture had some version of something. a something. Yeah, flatbread. A, a flatbread with shit a while on top. Ago, so, someone was sharing an English news story describing this new pizza food that has been brought over <laughs> from <laughs> Italy. Hmm. And it's a it's a kind of bread with a tomato sauce. <laughs> just hearing someone just describe something so inherently basic in yeah. your understanding, but in the in the in the way that they would describe, you know, like a, a, a new robot that does something. <laughs> yeah, news yeah. from Italy where they brought a, a kind of food called the pizza. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's got its own leaning tower. Uh, <laughs> Huh. Very so, interesting. So, yeah, they to identify the specific contents of these vessels, an Egyptian-German team analyzed the mixtures using a technique called gas chromatography, mass spectro- spectrometry, at the national at a national research center lab in Giza. This showed that the pots contained substances previously linked to mummification, including extracts from juniper bushes, cypress trees, and cedar trees, which grow in the eastern Mediterranean region. But the team also found bitumen from the Dead Sea, along with animal fats and beeswax, probably of local origin. But the researchers also identified two surprising ingredients. One resin called elemi, which comes from canarium trees that grow in rainforests in Asia and Africa. And another called damar that comes from sharia trees found in tropical forests in southern India, Sri Lanka, and Southeast Asia. So Egypt was resource poor in terms of many resinous substances so many were procured or traded from distant lands says distant lands says carl heron an archaeological scientist at the british museum who was also not involved in the research how does your culture even get into embalming if you don't have the ingredients to embalm it's such a weird thing to be like we don't know how to do this but theoretically it'd be cool if we could you hear about it in high school and you like go to a record store you know, <laughs> yeah, your older brother gets you into it because he's always onto that kind of thing. So the 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 history of the cupboard is not on the Wikipedia. <laughs> Ask ChatGPT. No. But there are photos of cupboards that date from approximately 1600 to 1640. Okay, Lies. is that too old, or is that? Yeah, no, I, I think yeah, like the, I think this this great this relative was. I'm pretty sure, like, you know, 200 years ago at most. Okay. I don't think he went further back than that. Okay. It's, is it just, I mean, like, is it, it's the door, right, that makes it different from, you? like, saying you invented the shelf, like, that would be, now you're talking, like, millennia, and maybe the door in front right. of the shelf you're talking, is, yeah, you're talking, ancient, like, ancient Iraqi cities uh, for, for shelving, you know? <laughs> Um. Hmm. 
ChatGPT is not helpful. The exact date of the invention of the cupboard is not known, but cupboards didn't have they been just used for they centuries. just found tools that aren't Homo sapien? Do you guys hear? I gotta look this up so I'm not talking crazy shit. Um, but they're but they're related. But but like Neanderthal, like uh, it's always been assumed that hand tools, stone tools, were only used by Homo sapiens early by early Homo sapien, but other other similar species also use them. Um, that was like on NPR today or something. So I got to look that up while you're doing that. Yeah. I do remember hearing other just general surprising news stories about Neanderthals recently, maybe just that we interbreeded with them more recently than we thought, or they were around for longer than we thought. I don't remember. They got a bit. I mean, you guys have seen my forehead. Yeah. I forgot if you actually had any DNA they, tests. They are still around, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I am I got a ton of Neanderthal DNA. Like, I mean, I'm talking like it's like when you say more recently, I mean, I, we're talking like 50 years ago, you know, like full blown Neanderthal. <laughs> Did you get a test? I forgot. No. Oh, well, I mean, I you got to get a test, right? But I got to be full. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy. You know, you think 100 percent? No, not 100 percent. But I think like my mom's Canadian. I feel like, you know, that stuff <laughs> happens that? where there was some ice thaws and she may have okay. fucked him. You know what I'm saying? She may Brendan have fucked Fraser the caveman. Might have been, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um. I yeah, I, I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to find this. Uh, oh, that's so, OK. So this news story. So it does say in this article that ancient Egyptian embalmers had a sophisticated understanding of the raw materials properties, the authors say. Pots contain complex mixtures of ingredients that in some cases have been carefully heated or distilled. Many of the resins had antimicrobial properties. One bowl containing elemi and animal fat was inscribed to make his odor pleasant or characteristics that promoted preservation. So the study co-author Maxime Ragiot, who was involved in the study, says their knowledge of these substances was incredible. That's the only quote we have from her in the article. They knew their way around some uh, mummification. Erica, what are your feelings about embalming? Do you care about what happens to you after you've passed? This is assuming Erica's not immortal, which I think is rude. <laughs> yeah, right. I might, I might get on the robot's good side, so you never know. But um, oh yeah, yeah. Just please the basilisk. Work. Um, it's interesting. Of like when I think about death or myself dying, I more care about planning the funeral than like than like what you do with my body. I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense. I don't think that's crazy. Like, I know this is like not on topic, but my dream is like to have a bouncer at my funeral, but I want them to like, I'm going to give them a list of names and they're going to like announce people when they come in. So there'll be yes. like nice things written about the people I like. But like, basically I think of the people in my life. I'm like, we're not friends. They know I don't like them or they don't like me. And I know they'll show up to my funeral and a funeral and a funeral. At the Just idea to make sure. Of the idea of the bouncer announcing them. And like calling them out like, oh, this is, let's just say Alex, be like, oh, this is Alex. And Erica knew you would use this as a networking opportunity. Some shit like that, like to me, makes me, makes me happy. Makes me be like, I don't know. What yeah, that, I don't know what it's a very, uh, but you know, you know, those people that are going to show up and be like, oh, she was my friend. It's like, no, you weren't. No, we weren't. <laughs> like, who are we kidding? You know? <laughs> Something like that. Absolutely. Anyway. And I want it to announce to the room before any family members start being nice to you. Right. <laughs> but I feel like uh I feel like I would donate my body like to science, to something, you know. But would you we've had uh Mary Roach on who wrote a book about bodies in general. 
called Stiff, and uh, she visited the body farm. Do you know about that? No. Yeah, it's, it's here in Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know if you have to say something specific when you donate to science to make sure you do or do not go to the body farm, but it's a place where they just learn about forensics by letting bodies decompose in various ways. Oh, to mimic. I don't mind being there. I, I've, I don't have any issues with that. I don't either. I just think it's it's funny. Like, yeah, it's I would try to go somewhere where funny. they could see, like, because I had that heart surgery as a kid, I'd be like, well, at least get my heart to somewhere where they can, like, look at it, because it'll be like, you know, I'm 31 now, but say I'm, you know, 80. And I kicked the bucket. It's like this surgery that was done at four years old, like this heart held up like that many years and never needed right. another surgery would be like, I mean, I think, I think it'd be interesting to see like, what does it look like? Compared yeah. And to can you even tell else? that it had the operation on it by that point? And like, right. would it look noticeably different or has it all sort of like grown over where right. the surgery happened? It'd be, what, it, what surgery was it? Um, I had, it was called transposition of the great vessels and it's when your two major valves are, your valves are, your valves. so it's like, you know, you have your oxygenated side of your heart and your deoxygenated side. So it's like your aorta and your, uh, pulmonary artery are backwards. So when you're okay. in the womb, you know, you have like a hole in your heart and the blood mixes. So you don't really notice now they have the technology. They can see that on the baby, like a month or two before it's born. So you'll know, oh, no, oh, no. didn't. And so my heart closed. And it was like, I had parts of my body that were black and blue and not getting enough oxygen. So they were like, something's up. And then they did an ultrasound and saw that the valves were backwards. So they first put a hole in my heart, like immediately to mix again. And then when I was four days old, I had the surgery of them switching it. And I haven't like had a problem since at all. And I, yeah, but it's like, it is, it is crazy. Cause like if I was born maybe like eight years earlier, they would just keep the hole in your heart and they wouldn't let you like be super active or like even like ride a bike. Like there were all these restrictions, no restrictions my whole life. And I played a ton of sports. I played basketball in college. Like I never had a problem. So it is crazy that I'm like, I would be curious to see what it looks like now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I don't know whether this is one of the operations that they can, they do in this situation, but I know nowadays there's even some operations they can do in the womb. Like they can literally yeah. do surgery on. I don't know because at the time they even said I was like lucky that I weighed enough and weighed enough and weighed because they might have had to wait like a few months for me to gain weight to do the surgery. So I'm not. So I'm not. Maybe I'll have to look that up. I haven't looked into that. But I know now hmm. it's like a very common surgery. Like uh, I was born in New York State and my parents brought me to Boston Children's Hospital because they were doing it like a few times a week there and everywhere else only did it. Excuse me, maybe a four, few times a year. So, um, but yeah. Oh, that's like the number one cliche about Massachusetts. It's like dunk, Dunkin' Donuts and reversed valves. Yeah, literally. You know what I'm saying? They're like, hey, you see the kids up there with their valves all backwards. Yeah, they do yeah. have like some of the best like children's hospitals there. It's crazy. Or, or I mean hospitals in yeah. general. But um, yeah, you would never guess from the... <laughs> <laughs> from other from other no no it's a it's no it's a major uh it's major medical mm-hmm. center town Huge. yeah they have uh they have some of the best when when they did your heart surgery uh presumably they used some some sort of tools right <clears throat> <laughs> yes yes they did probably use some tools <laughs> since, since well guys did, did you guys know uh did you guys know that the discovery of stone tools dating back nearly three million years has raised questions about which hominin species was behind the ancient technology. Okay. Um, I don't, but this seems very much like the story that you were teasing until just beforehand. It it sounds similar, but this is a different one. 
I mean, no. Uh, the discovery of 330 stone artifacts in Kenya that date back 2.9 million years is throwing light on a key question, who, uh, human evolution, who first used stone tools? It's a question that I've asked daily. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, we may have some answers. Scientists unearthed hammerstones, cores, and flakes in the bones of butchered hippos and two teeth belonging to an ancient human-like ape known as Paranthropus from eroded slopes along the shore of Kenya's Lake Victoria at a site called uh, Nyayenga on the Homa Peninsula. You so really the discovery of story, of- Jesse. There is What's a that? lot of there is a lot of complicated words. <laughs> yeah, this is I I'm sorry guys. Um the discovery of a Paranthropus upper and lower molar at Nyayanga has and sorry there's a train going by cuz I live on some train tracks. Um <laughs> it's uh, has undermined the assumption that only humans could make these types of tools. While some species of non-human primates produce technologies that assist in foraging, humans are uniquely dependent on technology for survival. But the evolutionary origins of this reliance on technology for survival is shrouded in mystery, said Tom Plummer, an expert in shrouds Mm -hmm. uh, and anthropology at Queens College, City University of New York. The most ancient known stone tools are thought to be 3.3 million years old and were discovered at a site called Lamekwi 3, also in Kenya. However, the stone tools unearthed at Nyayanga were more sophisticated than the rudimentary ones found at Lamekwi 3 and belong to a style that's closely linked to the emergence of the Homo genus that includes our own species, Homo sapien. Mm. So systematically, rather than haphazardly produced, the stone implements would have allowed ancient hominins to cut through the thick skin of large animals, slice off pieces of meat, and break open bones for marrow as well as mash plant material to make it more palatable. Yeah, mash. Mash. Um, so the sharp-edged flakes could cut as effectively uh, cut as effectively as a lion's set of teeth, and the hammer stones could crush as effectively as an elephant's molars, and thus all of possible foods of the savanna, woodlands, and grasslands were opened up to processing with this new set of teeth outside the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Outside teeth. Um, prior to hey this, guys, use your, guys use your inside teeth today, please. <laughs> no, prior so to he the, just got a headache, so use your inside teeth. Um, so this is before cooking. We'd yeah, this would be this would all be before uh, cooking stuff. Uh, so prior to the new study published in the journal Science on Thursday, the earliest known appearance of this style of tools was on the Afar Triangle of Ethiopia around 2.6 million years ago. The toolkit, which archaeologists call Oldowan after Olduvai Gorge in Tanzania, where artifacts in this style, uh, that's where artifacts in this style were first found. It was a technological breakthrough that humans carried with them widely across Africa and also into Asia, enduring for around one million years. The difference is not exactly like how the iPhone changed how we use phones. I think it's more likely how writing changed communication, says uh, this guy Potts via email. That's a big claim. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially doing it via email, ironic. Um, <laughs> the presence of the Paranthropus molars, however, has suggested that members of the Homo genus weren't the only primates to harness this technological advancement. The close association of Oldowan tools with butchered carcasses and Paranthropus might mean the tools use was more widespread in the hominin family than we ever thought, said John McNabb, a professor of archaeology at the University of Southampton in the UK. Hmm. So who, 
Yeah, who made the tools? I don't know, Andy. Do you have any? <laughs> you have any ideas on? Oh, uh, it says that uh, Paranthropus had a large face, giant jaw, and huge teeth that were much bigger than those that belonged to the earliest species of human, such as Homo habilis, which had been most closely associated with the emergence of the old Awan toolkit. Typically, it's thought that the smaller toothed Homo would have benefited from making stone tools that assisted in processing food outside of the mouth. Whereas Paranthropus was typified by processing its food entirely with its teeth, using its large chewing muscles. I'm just, all, this is making me think about my rotting back tooth right now. I'm getting in my head. About, I'm like, is it hurting? Am I might just imagine this stuff now. Mm. Um, when our team determined the age of the uh, Nyayanga evidence, the perpetrator of the tools became a whodunit. In my mind, this is what Potts was saying. There are several possibilities, and except for fossilized hand bones wrapped around a stone tool, the originator of the early old one may be an unknown for a long time. A uh, number of related hominins that walked on two feet are known to have lived in Ethiopia, Kenya, and as far west as Chad between three and a half and two and a half million years ago. These early hominins included Australopithecus afarensis, to which the famous Lucy fossil belongs, as well as Paranthropus and Homo habilis. Uh, McNabb agreed it was too early, to say, too early to say for sure that these relatively sophisticated stone tools predated the earliest humans, but said the discovery was nonetheless very significant. Hmm. Early tools. Well, I mean, surely they have an answer for this, but wouldn't... So they don't think it was the Paranthropus. The Paranthropus was probably just killed using some of these tools, right? Paranthropus is the one that has this large enough teeth that they were saying that yes, yeah, he yeah. used its large chewing muscles. Yeah. So is, th- is this a, this is like a, a sign of our of our evolutionary status that we can do more of our processing outside of our bodies? Yeah, offload. I mean that's what, that's what the cooking and all of it is like. All of it's for that is to is to um, you know do make it that- more efficient. You know, like to soften our food and things like that so we don't spend all day. Like, I mean, like uh, gorillas or something, they spend like, it's something crazy. It's like 40% of their day chewing, (laughs) you know, just just to process like what they're eating. And we we can just, you know, pound that down and then do other stuff. Yeah, but I got time for that. Yeah. Yeah, I got time for that much chewing. Isn't it crazy how like 50 years ago, like space age shit, we thought the future was going to be pills and liquids for everything right like that was the, the goal and now we've kind of got that with like soylent you can live on soylent and nobody wants to like everyone's gone back to like i would no, I, I still food. haven't found a way to do it or how do i soylent's order it enough soylent is enough i think you can be no i know healthy. i'm saying i would do it you say people don't want to but i'm saying i would like you can why, why don't you i'm exhausted because i can't find it i can't find how to get like a enough of it or an order order it and just they like, stopped making it the, the brand soylent no i still see it around i thought yeah that's a real drink that has uh like i think it's got order, everything I you need a roommate of mine ordering like a case of it when it first came out and it only had one flavor the chocolate one yeah just the white bottle yeah, they still i think have the whole website hmm. Soylent. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm looking it up now. Uh, sorry, I didn't. I didn't know that it had become. I remember years ago, this is maybe ten years ago or something, reading about the guy that like was c- coming up with this. Uh, but I didn't know it had become like a business that I hadn't looked into it um, in a while. I, I think it's like coder fuel. You know, it's like yeah, it's like better than the Baja yeah. Blast Mountain Dew. You don't have to get up from yeah. No, I, I mean, I get a chair. 
I get exhausted with eating and having to figure it out. And I, I, I yeah, I hate it. I mean, I, I was, if it was just like this, this drink takes care of it. And then like, you're not that hungry, you know, like perfect. Yeah. Fucking perfect. I'm with you on the laziness. Actually, I forgot if I talked about this on the podcast, but I got an air fryer for Christmas. Did I already go through this? No, I have not talked about this. It's everything people <laughs> say it is. It, oh, it, you're going to be an air fryer guy now? Oh, every night. It's right. crazy. It's cra- like, yeah, everything comes out great. Everything tastes great. And it's just like microwave difficulty and time, but real So you have cooking. the fancy one, like it's, you can pick the degrees and stuff. I mean, it's not even that fancy. It's a no, hundred bucks. But like, like, like you can adjust the degrees, right? And then, yeah. Yeah, you can adjust the temperature and time, and um, you know, it's got, it's got like six quick buttons for like fish versus steak, or whatever. But like, you just, you just Google it. Just like whatever you're doing. Well, like, I'm seeing here, just outside of Nairobi, they found a three million year old air fryer. Oh yeah. They just found this. Yeah. <laughs> so they think it's not even people were, okay. the, were the first to use. Wow. Wow. But I, yeah, I want to get if you if you work for an air fryer company, uh, we will we will be glad to do uh, on air ad reads for your air fryer. It's it's like the first gift I've gotten in years that actually changed my everyday life for the better. Like oh, with me that was the bidet. The bidet. The bidet is pretty great. Yeah, I, a bidet. I would say in the last I don't know maybe even twenty years has been the biggest game changer in my life. Of just like yeah, this changes. It's one of those things where it. I imagine it's like hearing the Beatles for the first time where you're like, this, this changes everything, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like that's what it was like the first time I used the bidet. I'm like, this, my life can never go back. I can never go back, you know? Yeah. What if, what if there's a few, what if there's a Yoko down the line we don't know about with the bidet? It's just like waiting at the gates. Who who knows? What would the, what would the Yoko of the I would imagine it would be a hemorrhoid, right? Where it would be. No, that's uh, even, that's an even better reason to use a. Right? Wouldn't that be even better? But then I would assume the water pressure would be rather painful. Okay. Uh, That is an interesting thing. Like, yeah, when the water pressure in your house is too extreme. Well, I can adjust the water pressure on my bidet, but I need to tell you all that I really blast myself. (laughs) Sure. Go for it. (laughs) Like, it's not, I don't do a gentle sprinkling. I, like, I could peel paint with my bidet. (laughs) Like, I'm like, no, I want... Like I faithfully yourself. No, like, I mean, I can feel water going up into my stomach. Like I need, here's how hard we're going to shoot this bidet. So, right. You're, you're gargling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I sort of like a garden statue, a sort of water will come out (laughs) of my mouth. I, uh, yeah, I really go for it with my bidet. It's, it's hardcore. It's more, it's, it's more of a tool than a luxury for me. And Uh, yeah, I, some, so sometimes if there's other stuff going on in the old, uh, butt area, it can be, it can be a little painful. Yeah. You know, I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I got mine right when COVID hit. So I never even had to deal with the, uh, like the rationing of, remember the early days when toilet paper was at, at a premium? I do remember I was already a bidet user yeah, skipping down matter. the street. I'm watching people yeah. riot at the Walmart for a roll <laughs> of TP. And I'm just, I'm, I'm walking around whistling yeah. through my mouth and butthole. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Yeah. It was like Christmas. Um, all right. We should wrap yeah, up the should. main episode. And <laughs> On that one note, <laughs> Erica, thank you. Oh, this podcast sucks so much. <laughs> Why do we the do The Patreon patrons. <laughs> People love it, Jesse. People love hearing about your butthole. It's not always Jesse's butthole. <laughs>
It's usually just this is getting people through their commutes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, Erica. <laughs> Where can our listeners find you uh, and also your podcast and your shows? And I recommend you go and see Erica. Very funny comic. We, uh, we've been working together oh, thank all you so week. Much. Um, yeah, you can follow me. I'm at Sperica on everything, which is S-P-E-R-I-C-A-A. Um, and my website is ericaspera.com. And I have a podcast called Shooters Gotta Shoot, which is uh, just a fun dating relationship podcast. I have a lot of comedians on, but also some like, you know, quote dating experts and matchmakers and things like that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This is so fun. Excellent. Yeah, yeah thanks so much for coming. Love having you on here. And then uh, you can find us, probablyscience.com. That's also where we put our show notes and our links to our PayPal and Patreon links. Thank you very much, uh, Patreon people, for keeping the show going and PayPal people. And there will be an extra story at the end for you guys. And you can email us, probablyscience at gmail.com, for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. We are on Twitter at probablyscience, individually at Annie T. Wood, at Matt Kirshen, at Jesse Case. And thanks again, Erica, and listeners, we will see you next time. Bye.